Upgrade America There's power within the vote Upgrade America Make sure you tell your folks And what's up world? Happy Easter to everybody that's watching us live We're currently streaming on IG and Facebook and you know we're adding a new element to, to what we're doing so let's have a big round of middle fingers for the coronavirus you know for closing church on easter and uh you know impeding on our constitutional rights pardon my rant i'm cameron ra 2020 independent presidential candidate and host and executive producer of up great america the greatest show on earth. I'm pleased to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, none other than CJ the Bass Slayer, bro. How you feeling, man? What's up? I'm popping my collar. Happy Easter, bro. Same to you, man. Hey, what's up, man? I see you watching. So this is going to be cool, adding a whole live element, interacting yeah. with people, and also doing our, our traditional show. But can you give uh, the viewers a rundown of what we're discussing today? Yeah, on the Upgrade America podcast, this is episode, was it 57, 58? 58. 58. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a couple international stories. We'll get to that. We gonna, we're going to talk about uh, a documentary that I think is interesting for these times. And it's going to lead into our big discussion, the standards uh healthcare proposal even though he's dropped out we still want to talk about it versus the cameron raw healthcare um proposal trusting uh bernie sanders to uh the my healthcare plan yeah the raw administration so yeah this is gonna be a great episode really looking forward to dive up into this so yeah we uh, got um hold on camera finish real yeah. quick um military readiness we're going to talk about that for the u.s how does that impact our military that's cam's passion even though we're former vets who represent but um we're also going to talk about domestic manufacturing after this so we get we need to rebring that up rediscuss that and freedom of speech rights revoked during these times of the rona we're going to talk about that and then we're going to end on some positive stories okay sounds so, cool that's what we're doing today so um Tip top, you got any stats on our newest uh, viewers and listeners, international crowd? Uh, it looks like shout out to the ladies. Um, that went up, I guess, since we acknowledged that we have lady listeners on the podcast side, on the audio side. Um, much love for the ladies, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, nothing really other than it seems like it's been an uptick. So okay. we'll see. I keep monitoring that. If something new pops up, I'll let you know. I'll let everybody know. Cool. So we want to do a morale check as always. Um, mm -hmm. so that everyone's good. These are very difficult times. And for adults, it's hard. Adults are, are losing their minds, but we really need to be uh, cognizant of children. Like, mm -hmm. they really don't understand, or they may not fully understand what's going on. And it's affecting kids, you know, on, on many different levels. So do a morale check on your kids or, you know, your, your nieces, nephews, whatever. Like, make sure they're good because it's, uh, this is it. Like, this is tough for kids, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't know. That's just that's my little insight on that for a morale check. But yeah, I hope everyone out there is good. You're blessed. Happy Easter, like I said. And, uh, 
you know, staying corona free and healthy and all that good stuff. So, what you got as far as the morale check? Um, for me, just try to keep, try to create routine and normal in these uncertain times is the key thing. Just try to keep some kind of schedule, working out, like like we discussed on our last episode. Um, just stuff like that, I think that's key. And then check on your friends, the strong ones, the extroverted ones, the introverted ones. Um, check on everybody. I've been reconnected with a lot of people. Um, now, there's it's, memes it's, going around about introverts are like in heaven right now. And I, to some extent, I do consider myself an introvert. Me too. I'm un, I don't want to say I'm unbothered. I'm slightly perturbed now. Like, okay, you close church. That, that sucks. You close sports, not really a, a sports fan. Like you close malls and stuff like that, okay. But you close nature. I just found out that you can't go hiking in what? Jersey now. Damn. Like, they close the state parks. And that yeah. has me slightly perturbed. I'm like, okay, I'm close a lot of stuff, cool, but as long as I can climb a mountain meditate, I'm gonna be good. But like, I just heard, uh, yeah, this is just something that that they, they instituted. How is that in uh, in Florida? Can you guys still go to the parks? Yeah, well, it depends. Parks, they kind of shut those down, at least in my county, I think, yay, this week. Like, you can still go outside, exercise and stuff, but you can't really go. They don't really want you at parks. Um, but then again, where I live is kind of spread out a little bit. So, you know, um, it's yeah, nature. People going 10 deep the trails yeah and like and i would think that is the ultimate self dis- <laughs> social distancing is like hey i'm on top of a mountain like scattered up but you know it is what it is and yeah it's temporary right true hi martha hi naomi what's up dude well, this um, is cool man getting real time uh feedback and, and seeing no viewers check in so, um, what, uh, what's leading with our, our, our international story? Okay. Well, I had one controversial question I'm going to ask you real quick before we dive into that. Oh. I you, left it a mystery because I wanted to ask too? you. Huh? You're going to ask me on live too? I can't even edit myself. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, controversial question of today. Should we lock down the world for a month every year for as a social reset? Now, you have to define social reset for me. Basically, like a break. Like society takes a break for a month, like these terms, like Absolutely how we are not. right now. Absolutely not. Once a year. Nah? Absolutely. You don't think it'll do, do wonders? Um. Well, you... There is an ancient philosophy saying there's no such thing as good or bad. More or less, everything is a double-edged sword. There's dualities, there's good things, and there's 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 bad things that could result from that. And right now, just focusing on the bad things. Like, here's an interesting concept. Like, quarantine is my understanding. That's when you are isolating sick people. Mm-hmm. We are not sick. Where to, for the most part, we are all healthy and we are experiencing a restriction of freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. And so, just for the sake of whatever, 
no, you're not. I'm veteran, big fan of freedom, and to, mm-hmm. and pee on it for for any reason is uh it's a slippery slope, and, and your your reason is not good enough to pee on people's freedom. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at it from another perspective, just environmentally, the impact it's had. And I heard that as well. I heard great like, things about that. That is yeah. like, like you, you, you look at California, like and mm-hmm. eyes are clear. Yeah, that's cool. I get that. Perhaps we should make a bigger initiative towards you know more electric cars. But again, like this nation is built on freedom and mm-hmm. preserve that at all costs. Like what we're doing right now, I dare say this is un American. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's Easter Sunday, and I'd say for the first in over a thousand years, people are not in church. And well, maybe in Florida, because I think church is open in Florida, actually. Yeah. I but think so, yeah. I, I dare say, because I, I hear people are getting there locking up pastors for that, because social distancing, laws, federal mandate. Uh huh. No more than 10 people. So, what, you're having like nine person church sessions? Like, how's that working? I don't know, but uh, I think I'm not sure. I'm not currently up to date on it, but I know that uh, last I remember, that was considered essential or whatever. What's up, Monique? Because of Monique, John. Oh, I could see that as being essential as well, but at the same time, even essentials. I suppose like Walmart was like packed, but when you're going to little smaller stores, they're like are only saying like, oh, four people in at a time. Or uh, running my my mother and do some errands, you know, and they had like a queue, like or at the AT and T shop, like only mm-hmm. like, a certain amount of people could come in at a time, and they only let me come in, you know, because you know my mom's kind of elderly, I was helping her out, you know, but everyone else is like, these are very strange times. Yeah, but uh, nah, I mean. I get what you're saying. I get your perspective. I don't. You know how like we have Earth Day where they turn the lights off for like an hour and like all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can see it as a benefit to global society in a sense. Just or maybe not a month, maybe a week. I don't know. But I don't see it necessarily being a bad thing. Um, in um, my opinion, based um, on this experience, I could see put issuing like a no single car. You know how like they got the HOV lanes. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see them like, hey, a day where like you're trying to encourage as many people to carpool as you can. I would say a a soft encouragement, but a federal mm-hmm. mandate, no. It's just okay. like, your and, and however benevolent your, your intentions may be, it still seems a bit tyrannical to be like, yo, you're not going nowhere for a month because for these benefits, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, you ready to go to our international stories? Yeah, yeah, let's dig into it, man. All right, you wanna go first or me? I've been um, talking. Actually I'm on um the stories that I was hey now, what's up? And thank you for your comment. <laughs> but uh, the story I was going to cover, I'm going to skip on that. It was pretty much saying like um, the way I interpreted it, it was like they're saying that that a particular drone is inferior 
because if Iran managed to shoot down one of our spy drones, then that means the same drone was flying over Russia or another country, China, what have you, then they would most likely be able to shoot them down as well. Long story short, in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. They're pretty much saying like, yeah, we need better drones because like this one was able to get shot down. Yes. And I'm not going to upsell our upgraders out there. I'm like, hey, you need to support the Predator 5000 drone that, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, so this is a bit more uplifting. Like, uh, particularly the one in uh, South Africa was pretty cool. Can you, can you break that one down for us? Yeah, so uh, we're trying to present some unique stories from our upgraders that are across the globe. So I picked this story from South Africa since they're one of our new audio listeners. Shout out to you guys. Um, this um, gentleman is a World Cup winning Springbok Hope I'm saying it right. Rugby champ, uh, camp, um, captain. Okay. I think it's Saya Kalosi. I'm probably butchering his name. Basically, his foundation provided masks for newborns and the mothers nursing that are having kids during this time of the pandemic, the Rona time. So I thought that was really cool. Um, let's see here. He said, uh, I do believe that the emphasis was on premature. Yes, emphasis is on premature kids. Because he said, basically, they're more at risk. They didn't ask for this. So we're doing what we can, especially knowing that there's a shortage of PPE, protective, what is it, personal protective equipment? Yeah. Um, Same thing referring to our helmets and our flat gloves. Yeah, I know, right? So he donated a thousand face masks. They were immediately distributed just hours later to the mothers at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's ongoing. So shout out to you in South Africa, you upgraders, y'all doing your thing out there. Who would have ever thought that face masks would be so valuable? Who are you telling? Face mask and hand sanitizer and, and things of that nature. Like, who who would have thought? And you know, like there's stories of. Uh, people hoarding containers of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and inflating the price. This is some strange times we're in, man. Yeah. What's your second story? Second story is out of Switzerland. Shout out to you, Switzerland. Um, this is an interesting one. You're going to laugh, but I think you'll agree with this. So I'm going to get it, get the area right in Switzerland. Swiss Canton, I'm assuming that's uh, Providence or uh, city or county or something. That's what they call it. Swiss Canton of Ticino. February 1st, 2020, government workers are required to punch a clock every time they have a cigarette break. Interesting concept. Not against that. So I'm going to just read the first part of it. The move has been justified as a way of improving employee productivity with proponents of of the new law arguing that too much time is being lost to frequent employee cigarette breaks. So it advocates also that non-smokers are penalized under the current system. And then also under the current law, employees are entitled to two 15 minute breaks a day 
while employees will not need to punch the clock if they smoke during this time all smoking outside these two break periods will be measured so what do you think about that um all for it and i would take it one step further uh-huh uh, um i would not i wouldn't permit them to smoke on my time because mm -hmm. it's um maybe this was a they're pushing this initiative let's say in the air force in 2010. okay and they're going to ban cigarettes on base like you couldn't smoke like on your job because i get how they're rationalizing it it's like you're smoking something that's going to damage your health mm -hmm. air time so it's almost like we would be like they, they would be paying military members to hurt themselves so their solution was they're going to ban them from smoking on posts or on base or something like that and everyone thought that was extreme but i agree with it now for private sector like um i visit fortune 500 companies and i notice or any any company really you see mm -hmm. you that they have smoke pits in front of every entrance have you noticed that um do they have smoke no, pits? it's like they they tend to when you go to the mall they have smoke pits like little True. Uh, yeah 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 i got what you're saying smoke, but here's what you gotta consider probably, let's just say what 20 percent if that would you say 20 percent of the american population smoke cigarettes mm, yeah maybe that's probably that'll, fair that'll be reaching that might even be reaching but yeah. it's like, so people who don't smoke they have to walk through clouds of noxious chemicals that's that's damaging their health to accommodate these minorities and like i said me personally for uh i, I wouldn't even permit it on the facility like one because again you're dead you're permitting your, your employees to damage themselves and you're also uh they're they're hurting uh, you know secondhand smoke as well so i agree with the initiative what switzerland's pushing but i would take one step further I would use political power and, you know, if it was my own private uh, entity corporation, I wouldn't, um, not even on site, not even on premise. Okay. I know for me, um, just my personal experiences working and everything, Air Force included, like it was something that always nagged me that people that smoke get extra breaks, but people that don't. Yes. I know. Penalized for taking a break. And I'm like, yo, y'all do this all the time. Matter of fact, y'all take smoke breaks way too often and uh your explanation for military you definitely shouldn't be smoking anyway because you're damaging government property let's keep it real you sign that dotted line you are government property and so, you have to get in trouble for like uh self-inflicted damage i.e yeah. like if you go to the beach and you get like sunburn mm -hmm. you froze up you froze up no you good pop back okay so you get sunburn and mm -hmm. then you're unable to wear your flak vest because let's be real the flak vest is like 20 pounds 15 pounds with the with the steel plates in there uh, uh, i can't remember now it's been so long that's so, all the weight coming down your back's all raw from sunburn you can't do the mission you'll get yeah. charged with damage to government property mm -hmm. uh, what's up chris I see you watching out there bro out there in brooklyn man but yeah, so you get charged with damage to government property for that. So I totally get what you're saying. We shouldn't be uh, enabling people to uh, to do that. 
particularly in government or in uh, you know the military as well. And I'm curious yeah. the current policy is now on that because this was like 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be way strict, more strict now. Yeah, probably. And I got out of 2008, so I can only imagine now, t- 2020. Um, but shout out to you, Switzerland upgraders. Y'all doing your thing. That's that's Travel. pretty dope. All right. Everyone travels open up to kind of want to get back into want to see Switzerland. Oh, I love Switzerland, man. Ah, oh, the air, the mountains. I'm a mountains person. Yeah, I mountains love Austria. Like oh, um, Austria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the mountains out there was cool. Almost crashed going to Oktoberfest. Like I was coming out this tunnel. Uh-huh. Like, you know, it's like Oktoberfest is like end of summer. So I'm like, mm-hmm. speeding, flying through this tunnel, come out the tunnel in the mountains, there's just mad snow on the ground. I'm like, oh snap, spun out on me. Oh. <laughs> Those near death experiences are always fun. I do. <laughs> you talk about it's always fun. It is true though. It is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's something wrong with us. Um, it's the SF humor, man. And you know, you started. Oh yes, yeah, it is. All right, cool. Yo, I saw this documentary and it's just. So I recommend everybody see it. No matter your political leaning, it makes a lot of sense. Now he's the same guy who did uh, Fahrenheit 9/11, right? Yeah. Now, that was the that was the documentary that really opened my eye. It was the first documentary I ever seen. That had, uh, I don't want to say it was anti-military or anti-military, but it, it, it depicted the empire in a different perspective. It really sent me down the rabbit hole. What's up, Allison? Hey. Um, yeah, but he talks about what we're going to talk about today in our episode. Okay. One man will search the world for answers. And the crazy thing is in this documentary, you see how jail works in different countries. You see how education is that? Yeah, they're mentioning uh, that guy right there. And so you have to consider like these countries, particularly in Europe, they're like the size of states. Absolutely. Get ready for the movie that is I don't know. dangerous. Maybe you could they could be implemented state by state, but not like nationwide. Don't want you to see. I think it would take that to implement basically that is a whole other people a whole lot of money. Like what? Like only people mad money, like not the American dreams seem to be alive and well everywhere but America. It's interesting. It just took a different angle because he's usually doom and gloom. This one's a lot more optimistic, this documentary. Education if the world can't be saved, it will be women that do that. Well, what would you say is the general message we're trying to say? We open our hearts. Basically, which our next topic is going to be real quick, is the second bill of rights that never got passed by FDR. And basically, we created this, but Europe implemented it. And they basically implemented it during the Marshall Plan after World War II when we rebuilt but we never did we have we have uh, like partially we've done it in our country but not fully so I, I want everybody to check that documentary out you got nothing but time so it's pretty cool it's interesting I'll give it a watch when I find a moment 
Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Michael Moore. Yeah. So we'll slide that footage in over there. So you said we're jumping into the second Philip, right? Yes. And this is a really interesting topic because, like, <clears throat> one, it was proposed, like, by FDR, like, was that 1940s? I think so. Let me bring it. The li- well, I, I got a video link, too, for this as well. I don't know if you want to put it. It's actually FDR talking. About How long it. is it? Like, two minutes? I, I think. think if it's two minutes, I, I can slide it in. We can just slide the footage in. Okay. In our day... Certain economic proofs have become accepted as self-evident. A second Bill of Rights, under which a new basis of security and prosperity can be established for all, regardless of station or race or creed. Among these are the right to a useful and remunerative job, the right to earn enough to provide adequate food and clothing and recreation, the right of every farmer to raise and sell his products at a return which will give him and his family a decent living. The right of every businessman, large and small, to trade in an atmosphere of freedom, freedom from unfair competition and domination by monopolies at home or abroad. The right of every family to a decent home, the right to adequate medical care and the opportunity to achieve and enjoy good health, the right to adequate protection from the economic fears of old age, sickness, accident, and unemployment, the right to a good education. All of these rights spell security. And after this war is won, we must be prepared to move forward in the implementation of these rights to new goals of human happiness and well-being. For unless there is security here at home, there cannot be lasting peace in the world. But I'm going to read off, basically, what the second Bill of Rights is. Basically, I wrote down some notes quick overview um living wages to cover food clothes and leisure to every american farmers rights to a fair income freedom from unfair competition and monopolies housing medical care social security education economic rights for all americans this was presented in i think January 11th, 1944, message to Congress on the State of the Union address. FDR. Now, do you think these are attainable in 2020 and current crisis? It would take all the states being on board. I think it does, like you mentioned during the documentary commentation, it's going to take the states to implement it on a state level. I can see that. And again, it's like, as every state is unique. Yes. Uh, size, demographics, what have you. What works for one state may not work for all. And um, I suppose that because some of these uh, ideas are, I don't want to say they're radical, but they're, they're very different to what we're dealing with today. You could try them as pilots. Yeah. 
couple states at a time and roll without nationwide. I don't know, but um, that's something um, in the Rod administration, the Upgrade America Handbook, um, Policy for the Future on Amazon Kindle. This is something we discussed. Mm-hmm. Trying to uh, implement these the second bill of rights for, for every American. And we did this before the crisis. Yeah. We were scared. We saw the, the need for this. And now even, even more, I, I see a need for it. Like right now we, we have band-aids, you know, a little $1,200 there. No actions yeah. or uh, foreclosures for X amount of time. But in the long run, it's not going to do much. And so we need a, a bigger safety net in place. And, uh, you know, I think FDR was on to something. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's unfortunate because we have the capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. It's the want to that is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what the problem is. Oh, well, please enlighten me. Share. <laughs> well, like I said, it's, um, we have the capacity to do it. The, it, the, the problem is, like, there's no money in it. We found a way to house, what, nearly a million uh, people through prisons and, and things like that. They're eating. They're being fed. They have a place. They have, what, three hots in the cots. So yeah. we found a way to do that because there's, a, there's an industry to do that. If there is an industry for feeding the, feeding the, the, the poor, feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, if there's a way to make money off of that, then it would be done. But I dare say no one has found a way to monopolize it. Don't get me wrong, I know these philanthropists and these, uh, how do you say, nonprofits and charities, whatever, they claim to be doing such, but they're taking 70% overhead just to do it. And then the people who need the money are getting scraps. But I dare say if you made it an industry, not a, a nonprofit, not a charity, but a capitalist, uh, like, yo, this is our business. That's when the problem will get done. And yeah. I think, uh, have a solution for that, you know, proposing in the Upgrade America handbook and the upcoming book, Skyward. Somebody yeah. said, not not living free in jail. My home, my homeboy, Zoe. Um, well, I, I think it's a form of slavery, too, anyway, jail. I, I do believe it is a, a form of slavery. Well, what I meant by um, not living, and I get it, you're not free, yeah, you have lack of lost your freedom, freedom of movement, and, you know, training your time. But at the same time, like, what I what I meant to say is that the prison industrial complex has found a way to provide food and shelter for over a million people. But yet the okay. circumstances... I get, I get what you're saying. Yet the circumstances, like, people are being... And here's the thing. There's only half a million, uh, half a million homeless people in America, there are more people in prison than there are homeless. Mm. That's what I said. There's an industry for the homeless. Yeah. Like there's an industry to put people in jail, then that problem would be it would go away. Yeah. Um, and you and I talk about this: the marriage between private and uh, government, mm-hmm. along with capitalism and what you say, uh, mutualism, as you put it, which I agree with. Um, I never find a word for it, but I think that's the word, right? Mutualism. I mean, like, I don't want to say I coined it because there is a definition of it. Yeah. But I think it's uh, that's what I find is most appropriate to describe my philosophy. Yeah. Um, I can say 
Uh, Sanders presented this Second Bill of Rights in his campaign. Mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren kind of has something similar. I am not sure about Pete Buttigieg and uh, Biden. I'm not sure his platform as well. I but I think Sanders. Funny as I know more about the people who dropped out than I do about Biden. It's just Biden just yeah. came in, been biding his time, pun intended. <laughs> And it's just like, I don't have to say what the hell I'm going to do. I just got to say, I'm Joe Biden. I'm running for yeah. president. And I was with Obama. hang themselves and yeah. one another. And then, um, yeah, I really don't know what, what his platform is on. We'll have to look that up and uh, talk about that at some or, point. Or, or if there's any mention of uh, the second door right. Which I think I, I is something that. that we need to uh, that needs to be put in place, particularly as we mentioned it before the crisis, but now even more so during yeah. the crisis. We, we need the safety net. Shout out to you, Zoe. I see. Um, so you ready to get into it? The big meat and potatoes of the episode. Uh, man, I, left, I left my boxing gloves in, in the car. Well, since we're we're doing this verbally, you know, <laughs> you be I will meet him. All right, let me pull up. Uh, we're gonna talk about Sanders Medicare for All versus Cameron Ross' healthcare plan if he was to be elected. I'll present my side first. I'm acting as Sanders, even though we know he's dropped out. We get all that. We're just going off of what he presented. And more or less, we're trying to compare Bernie Sanders' main initiative, Medicare for all, or was it Medicaid for all? That's it. But he wanted it was it was healthcare, and I totally see the need for for healthcare, and and I presented a plan for myself. And more or less, we're going to compare and contrast via friendly debate, and uh, you know, get into healthcare and see if there's better ways to do it than what we have now. And there's, like I said. Both Bernie and myself foreseen uh, this uh, far before the crisis, and here we are. And, and these uh, policies, one of them, which I'm pretty sure is going to be mine, could very well save the world. Well, yeah, let's get into it, Chris. All right, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna uh, try to read this as fast as possible and try not to butcher it too much. I'll be excited reading. Don't don't ask me why. All right, so basically, his key points are create a Medicare. For all single payer, uh, single payer, which I'm gonna define that real quick. The government pays for your health care, pays for the health care for citizens covered under universal health coverage, meaning they negotiate with the pharmaceutical companies and with the private insurance, and they work out deals and set rates for what they can charge you and all this good stuff. What basically get a baseline for uh, health coverage for everybody. In a nutshell. Um, so what do you mean by everybody? Is this everyone who can't afford? Now, is this an abolishment of old conventional health insurance? Or is this only for the people who can't afford conventional health insurance? Basically, it says national health insurance program. This is straight off of Sanders' uh, campaign page. So you guys know. Um, national health insurance program to provide everyone in America with comprehensive health coverage free at the point of service. That's what he's presenting. 
Um, I'll go over the other points and then we'll go back and forth. Hold on, you're saying that's for all Americans? All Americans, yes. So, uh, um, I... <laughs> essentially, you're saying you're about that he's abolishing private health insurance. That's what it sounds like. And that is a, let's call it a $900 billion uh, sector uh, of the market. That's nearly a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, um, so how do you think that's going to impact the the economy? Well, health insurance is all about really not paying out the money. I mean, you want to be honest. It's there if you need it, but mm-hmm. the whole idea is for them not to pay. But for you to pay, of course. Um, Industry-wise... It would basically, excuse my French, but fuck them up. Like, overall, but I do see a I need for... Said the, the insurance industry, it would, yeah, it would totally mess them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, here's something else you, you gotta consider as well, right? So, under Sanders, everyone, every American, is yes. eligible for healthcare. That's what yes. you paid for, right? Yeah. So... Healthcare provided by the private sector, the demand goes up, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's now everyone can get it. It's not just people who you have a good plan. Everyone can get it. So the demand goes up. Mm-hmm. But you're not just magically going to get an exponential army of doctors, nurses, dentists, what have you. So the supply goes down. So what does that result in? The demand is high. And the supply is low, that means the prices are going to rise. No worry, the American government's paying for it, right? But that means that price for Medicare for all is going to be, it's going to cost far more than what we're paying right now. And right now, my understanding is healthcare costs, let's call it $3.8 trillion. That's if you took all the healthcare costs spending in, uh, in the United States in one year. That's a lot of money. So, I suppose a, another question, or if you're still presenting, like, how how would we pay for that? Well, he has like, I'll be honest, I was reading through it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little confusing on how he would pay for it because he had like Supposed- seven different methods. He did have ways, but it wasn't very. Uh, how should I put it? Concise and concentrated it was like well we got this option this option this option so i i will be fair and say that was horrible at least how he presented it like how it's presented um i'll read off these real quick and then we'll keep going um basically this would include no networks no premiums no deductibles no co-pays no surprise bills uh medicare coverage would be expanded and improved to include dental, hearing, vision, and home and community-based long-term care, inpatient and outpatient services, mental health and substance abuse treatment, reproductive and maternity care, prescription drugs, and more. The last key point is stop the pharmaceutical industry from ripping off the American people by making sure that no one in America pays over $200 a year and for the medicine they need by capping what Americans pay for for 
prescription drugs under the Medicare for all. That's like his key points of Medicare for all. Well, I hear you and I have some concerns and some questions. You can't tell me that it's not going to impact income tax for the low, for the poor and middle class. You can't tell me that, hey, the federal budget total is like, let's call it $4.8 trillion. Mm-hmm. Mention healthcare is about three point eight trillion, so it's like <laughs> there's going to be a deficit, and that deficit is going to be needed. If you're going to have to raise taxes to cover that, mm-hmm. and not, I'm not for that, particularly when we're in an unhealthy nation of obesity and uh, indulgences and, and things of that nature. Like I cannot justify that. What are your thoughts? Um, I do. How do I feel about it? I do. I do think we need reform for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, senators, all of them get primo health care. Let's let's keep it a hundred, and that's government provided. Um, now, is it government? Now, is it provided by whom? Like, who are their health care providers? Are they like? Because I, I hear of, you know, um, when you read fictional work about the presidents and they, they get sick or something like that, they go to Bethesda or they go to like Navy hospitals or something like that. Is that who they're getting their care from or are they going to like private doctors or, or something like that? I'm referring to the senators. Um, I'm going to assume, I'm going to be real honest. I'm not sure specifically. I just know there, you know, it's a government position. So, you know, it comes with government positions like vacation healthcare, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming more than likely they have their own private healthcare on top of their government, their work package, so to speak. I'm assuming, and they probably lean more towards their private healthcare than the government provided one, if, if we're gonna be honest. Because- I, I could totally see that. Yeah, so I, that's that's my assumption. So, um, um, go ahead. I have a couple more questions and concerns. Okay. Um, again, we're, we're talking about we have this huge demand now and a limited supply. So what is the priority of service? Is it first come, first serve? And would you permit a brain surgeon who can make a makes great contributions to society and pay the majority of, of his or her medical bills? to die because someone who requires all of their bills to be paid arrive first. Let's so just, let's let's okay. spin it a bit further. Um the, this coronavirus thing. You have a doctor who's who's you know who's saving lives on a regular basis but he falls he falls ill. Are we going to uh you, how how are you gonna prioritize? How are you gonna triage uh these patients in this big demand? I think overall, that's a great question. Um, First come, first serve, or is it just based on priority of what the ailment is? Um, That's that's the question, and I know country. No, no, I'm not not talking about that. Let's use two people who have coronavirus. Okay. One is a doctor who Uh is saving others. He's who's saving others from, and one is um, I don't know, pick. 
Uh, just regular dude caught it. Yeah. So, right. and the regular dude came in because he wasn't doing anything. And he was just like, hey, I'm going to the hospital. Doctor just gave, got off shift. And he was like, oh, and he's next. Like, how do you, how do you work that? And here's the thing. Go I'm ahead. sure many people will say, for one instance, you might say, yeah, first come, first serve. But mm-hmm. for several million, it, it will take a disastrous toll on, on our society. And um, I think... Again, we're still uh, picking apart Sanders, um, his Medicare for all. I, I'll, I'll further elaborate on mine, but how would you uh, deal with that scenario? Honestly, I mean, just being honest, knowing that there's a doctor sick that can help mm-hmm. other people, the quicker he gets healthy, the quicker he can go back to work and like keep this down. I'm assuming more than likely human nature, you're gonna go more towards the doctor than the average Joe. Mm. So then Just, you better you know, say there's a priority of life. All right, what's up, Tiffany? Thanks for watching, happy Easter. If you got any I, questions, leave it in the comment, we'll try to get back to you and answer it on the show. I think, yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. I think, honestly. If there's, if there's an exception there, there's other exceptions in this life. Yeah, yeah. How do you, do you have to define that? Do you have to have a policy, an SOP, a standard operating procedure? Like, because no, we, we laugh, but this is something that it's you would true. encounter in that scenario. Mm-hmm. With, under, uh, with a high demand and, and a limited supply. True. <clears throat> so uh, again, I want to run down some of these numbers. Okay. Like US healthcare, it costs 3.6 trillion. So you're talking about, let's say I told you it's 900 billion is what uh, is being paid for health insurance, like yeah. across the nation. That's about the revenue that they're they're bringing in. I couldn't get the exact numbers, but revenue was, was the best I could get. So okay. that's still a even if you uh, eliminated the the bills that were being paid for for health insurance, that's still 2.6 trillion that the American people would be left with to hold. Mm-hmm. So. Taking take into consideration, the 2020 federal budget is 4.8 trillion. So the U.S. government is estimating, like, hey, we need 4.8 trillion, but we're only gonna get 3.8 trillion in revenue. Mm-hmm. So that means uh, the the feds is uh, they're already left with a uh, you know with with a deficit. So the people and the businesses will only give 3.8 trillion. That leaves uh, the government short 1 trillion. The people want to, uh, they want the U.S. to pay for their health bills, which as I mentioned, that's $3.6 trillion. So in order to pay this bill, income taxes, which I think are, are immoral and, and arguably illegal, they're, they're going to have to go up to pay that bill. And yeah. No, no one wants to pay more taxes. You know, I don't. That's uh that's where I'm at with uh, my rebuttal for for why I'm not for uh, Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You would uh, permit me to to give my argument for how I would like to see healthcare in the future. Absolutely. Um, just so everybody knows, on IG Live this shuts off after an hour, so I might have to restart it. Just so you know. Um, yeah, go ahead. The Cameron Ra, we're going to hear your side of your healthcare reform proposal for America if you're in office. 
So I'm going to say some false stuff and people are going to hate me, but you can't please everybody, right? True. Here we go. So we have to disband federal Medicaid uh, aid. And we need to reallocate these funds to a highly deployable life force. Yes, that's what I meant. Uh, I said something crazy like Medicare costs $1.3 trillion. Right now, that's what we're, that's what we're paying. My studio phone just fell off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Working on the acoustics, but I can't get it to spit. But yeah, anyway, so Medicare is 1.3 trillion, right? Medicaid is 400 billion. So total, that's 1.7 trillion. Let that number marinate. Do you know off uh, off rip how much the um, the military budget for 2020 was? No. No, from top of my head. No. So it's $718 And Chris, I'm just saying for conventional operations, I'm not <laughs> going into black budgets. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, and, about and private wars. We're not talking about that. We're I'm talking just, about conventional military saying. operations. The entire military operates on $718 billion a year. Yes, that is a hefty price tag. But when you compare it to... How do you say 1.7 trillion? That's it doesn't seem so much. So here's what I'm here's my proposal. Okay. As you mentioned, the entire military operates on 718 billion dollars. Give me well not me, but like give my campaign or my administration 1.2 trillion dollars, and we'll use that to create a force rather than getting your tax dollars. And then throwing it to the private sector, which is ripping people off with healthcare, like overcharged, overpriced the medical bills is ridiculous. The, the private sector is, is fucking Americans. We need to create a life force. We have plenty of forces, as I mentioned, the military for, for defense and war. Why not form a force for life, a life force, rather than send people to, to the private sector you have your government health care, that they are mobile. You'll have permanent and mobile facilities that can be deployed anywhere in America. They can treat those 45,000 Americans that are dying every year from the lack of health care. And then they can also go across uh, America and, and the world if need be to do humanitarian and medical ops. And I dare say we could finance that under... I'm pushing $1.2 trillion for like contingency that for you know additional contingency stuff because I'm, I'm i'm analyzing it how we are now and we're kind of smack dab in the middle of a contingency so i think 1.2 trillion would be appropriate but again I, I think that's more feasible than um than how do you say just giving taking taxpayer dollars and throwing it back into the private industry that's ripping people up mm-hmm. wait we can't get rid of the private industry we still need that and um again i want to emphasize that the life force would be for people who would require medicaid or medicare or have no insurance at all and their purpose would be to treat everyone within our borders regardless of your illegal status your illegal status your regardless regardless of your status if you're within our borders we have some sort of obligation as a sovereign nation to to treat people with uh you know with health ailments and I think I'm very confident we could do that with 1.2. That would save us $400 billion that we could add to a crowdfund 
And then here's where it gets interesting. Dun 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 the death tax. So Hold on, before you go into the death tax. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you would life force would be like a branch, would it be a branch of the government? Kinda like uh, the armed forces branch. Oh yes. I thought um th oh no, I didn't elaborate on that. Thank you for uh I had some notes on this and I, I just was going off the top of my head and I didn't touch on this. So Excuse me. Just as we divert funding to combat all enemies of the Constitution, both foreign and domestic, we need to finance a life force capable of providing free health care to everyone within our borders. We need to provide free medical training, military MOS style. And for uh, all you civilians out there, when you learn things in the military, you learn it fast. It's not like you're sitting in your cozy little uh, auditorium and listening to a Harvard lecture. Like you have the bare minimum in the classroom, you have an instructor, you do some hands-on stuff, you learn it, you get tested on it, and then you, you keep on trucking. As I mentioned, with Bernie Sanders' thing, you would have a great demand with a limited supply. You need to work on beefing up that supply of medical workers in America. Like this is, we need more than ever, I, as I mentioned, I wrote this prior to the crisis, but more than ever, we need a... Uh, more uh, we need an army of doctors nurses and, and medical workers and the best way to train that is like a military style form of training so the more the majority of these doctors and medics need only work one weekend a month two weeks a year so kind of like mimicking the army reserves okay so they would be supporting their full-time and active and i say active duty because this wouldn't be a military branch while it would be forced, it would not be a military branch. I would like to see a rank structure in there, you know, pay grades, what have you, so you could manage it somewhat like the military. Mm -hmm. but, um, they, they would still be civilians. So they would help their, their active duty counterparts, and they would, uh, they would have permanent and mobile medical facilities. And so here's another thing on top of that, too. You okay. have that... Remember I told you how much is Medicare and Medicaid costing? 1.7 trillion, right? None of that is really going, that's all going into the hands of private healthcare. Now, mm -hmm. we're getting that 1.2 trillion, that's going back into the hands of the American people because we're going to be training them, for one, free training. And then on top of that, they're going to be putting, getting put to work. So uh -huh. that 1.2 trillion is going back into the hands of the American people. They'll be creating jobs and opportunities for people to, uh, you know, to really beef up the medical career. So uh, there's the details on, or some minor details on, on the life course. That helps. So I'm looking at it as like, uh, we're talking about Anthony, shout out to you on IG Live. Great follow. That's my dude. Um, we're talking about healthcare, how to reform healthcare in America. And this is Cameron Ra. If he was in as president, he would want to basically create a life force, a force dedicated to healthcare. Doctors, nurses, surgeons, all that good stuff. Similar um, to the military. Yes, but it'll be like the military. And how would you do it? Uh, I guess my other question would be um, geographically, how would that work? Would you have it? like regional like how we have our bases set up or... ideally i want two in each state one in the okay. capital and one in the the next uh 
biggest town. Okay. And then, as as I mentioned, you would have your permanent facilities, like mm-hmm. would build up real hospitals, and okay. then I emphasize the whole the mobility is key. So yeah. if you hit town to town, hey, we're in your town today. We're doing free checkups and blah 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 blah. Yo, we're hitting this town. Then boom, just keep it moving, and then just hopping across state to state, and you know, and and deploy it as need be. But you 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 hear right now in current events that they're asking army doctors, retired army doctors, and and they're using the full might of the the military's medical, you know, to to deal with this with this crisis. But again, I, I emphasize if we have a force on deck just for that we're, we'll be prepared better prepared for this crisis and, and anything else in the future i got you all right i'm gonna let you go keep rolling and then okay. i'll ask questions and go we'll go back and forth yeah i'm, I'm gonna cover the death tax and then that's pretty much it okay so, the death tax and again i'm not married to this name this is just a regressive tax on things that harm or make you sick or basically that would cause you to require health care. And um, so here's the thing. We're in America, and, and God bless America, I'm all about freedom. So you have the right to indulge in things that will kill you. You can smoke and drink. You're supposed to stop, but you can't. Understand. <laughs> I get it. But you can eat healthy. You can deep fry everything. More power to you. But my hard-earned money, it shouldn't be taxed to pay to um it shouldn't be taxed to pay for the cost of your unhealthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. this is why i say we need to preemptively tax all harmful goods 19 percent to pay for health care and guess what yeah and fitness expenses yeah i want to tax things that will kill you to pay for health care and fitness expenses every american will get a piece of that tax to pay for their medical bills and for their gym memberships and, you know, like I said, fitness activities. Why fitness, Cameron Ryle? Well, the fitter you are, the less money the government has to spend on your health. So staying fit, it's like a thankless favor to society. And it's time to reward people for healthy behavior. So um, these harmful goods that I'm talking about that I want to apply these uh, the taxes to would definitely apply to nasty cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. If my administration doesn't abolish them completely, alcohol, fast food failing to meet nutritional standards. And this would have to be determined. We'd have to literally audit everything that people are selling and determine, hey, is this going to kill you or not? Pretty much everything kills you in the long run. Yeah, pretty much. We have to set some sort of standards to where it's like, yo, this is really, really bad. And then we could apply the, the, the tax to that. Sugary drinks, shout out to Bloom. Uh, what was it? Bloomberg. He yeah. proposed that in New York City, and I kind of want to say that gave me the idea on this because his thing was it was countering diabetes, and the numbers showed it it, it was working. And I think you should do it on more things, candies, and uh, I dare say cars. One, we're trying to get less people to drive because pollution and, and things of that nature. But two, cars cause a great deal of fatalities, and additional items, uh, you know, they would be determined. So if you check out Upgrade America Policy for the Future, kind of break down the math and some more of the items. And it turns out that every American would get $1,450 a year. And this would be for, like I said, for the purpose of, of medical 
paying any medical bills and uh and fitness expenses because like if you get a treadmill and you're happy easter to you as well and thanks for watching but uh i, I want to say that you know like <clears throat> if, if you bought every american a treadmill or, or a gym membership whenever the gyms open up again but like don't you think that would have a positive impact and, and reduce the the need of, of, of health care yeah, and I, my live is about to go off. Should I restart it or what? Yeah, what's up to you, man? We gave them a sneak peek. They, they know where to where to find yeah. us at on YouTube. I just want to conclude this real quick. No, I'll, I'll let it. We're good. Uh, I'll okay. keep going. I know your live is probably still going, but go ahead. I, I would say, like, you would cut the welfare, employ Americans to provide state-sponsored health care, a life force, an entire military-like unit, that can provide healthcare, free healthcare for everyone who needs it. Because I am all for, for and nothing is free, it's just a, no matter how you pay for it. But it's like putting 1.7 trillion into the private healthcare um, sector that's like holding Americans hostage and uh -huh. allowing 45,000 Americans to die every year from the lack of, of healthcare. They, we can't keep giving them that money. I'm saying we should still keep it. They should, because what I mentioned in the uh, the brain surgeon scenario, uh -huh. life or death scenario, when you have your first comes first serve for people who can't afford it, and then you if someone wants to pay more, like I think you should be able to pay more for 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 expedited service for better service. It's you you're you need to maintain some form of capitalism. In there but at the same time you have to have a safety net for a bottom so my, my final thing i'm going to rehash is add regressive taxes to destructive goods and give it back to the people for medical and fitness expenses that's my health care program that's at least how i would propose it go ahead and tear it apart no no um be gentle <laughs> nah i think the other thing i was thinking about right just as a citizen okay Getting people hearts and minds. You know, we're taught that when we go abroad. You got to win the hearts and minds of the population to accomplish the mission, right? Indeed. How do you win the hearts and minds of the American citizens that are already skeptical of the government by providing this service? Well, I, I hate to be like, just trust me. But... <laughs> I'm not your I'm not your typical politician. It would be a very radical day if I managed to make it into the White House, and I believe people would take that as a sign of change. And um, that would be, yeah, be skeptical of the old system. What I'm proposing this mutualism. I dare say it, it allows the the private health sector to stay alive, and it ensures that private citizens are are, are getting their stuff covered as well. Um, do your due diligence. Look at the current system. Look at the, uh, how you say, the, the pros and, and, and very bad cons to Medicare for all. And you really just got to consider high supply, I'm sorry, high demand, low supply, and all of the bad scenarios that could, that could come from that. And what I'm proposing, I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> um, how do you think... American citizens, because we talk about freedom a lot, so I'm about to push back on you on this. 
Okay. Wouldn't this be kind of authoritarian mm. by putting that so, tax on all the items that Americans like? And then also, ooh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then also saying, oh, you don't work out. When you have the freedom to do what you want here in America, mm -hmm. you're basically penalizing them. So explain that portion to people who would be like, yo, you infringing on my rights, but you the same person. Okay, saying, so I, I get what you're saying. So I want to cover one thing first. Okay. So, and I, I suppose I failed to mention this. But I did mention before that I think the income taxes, it's, it's criminal. It should be illegal. That the harder you work, the more you're going to take to pay for other people's shit. Like, I don't like that concept. So, what I say for that is I would lower, if not eliminate, the income tax for, uh, for many tax brackets. And, again, you, you show you're, you're viewing it as a loss of revenue, but you would get that back through that taxation. So, so that's for one. Okay. And, and, and I dare say you still have that freedom to do whatever you want. But it's like, how dare you? And how dare you be selfish to to, to treat, take taxpayers, to indulge in your, your destructive lifestyle, and then take taxpayer money to pay for uh, preventable, for preventable things that, that, that could have been, uh, things that could have, health ailments that could have been prevented if, if you didn't, choose a particular lifestyle so it's like that's voluntary for you to go out and do you know indulge in things it's voluntary you have the right to do so but it's almost like you're paying for your health care preemptively with that tax and as okay. i mentioned i would totally want to i'll have my number of people crunch the numbers in the, in the metrics but i want to see how much of the income tax we could take away from the people like stop have taken from their jobs, stop taking their income taxes. Excuse me. Love that kombucha. And like <laughs> just using levying regressive taxes and um, I'll break it down. Regressive taxes are typically their taxes that are applied to items and to goods. Uh huh. And I think that's more fair than just like, oh, you worked 40 hours, grab, 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 grab. Gimme, 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 gimme. Like just, uh, Tax the tax the bad things. Okay, um, I'm I'm trying not to dwell on it too long because we got other stuff to talk about. But um, trying to think of any other questions I had. Um, do you think how could you sell this to the American people? <laughs> As I mentioned, I'm doing my best to eliminate the income tax. Meaning, hey, you get a job for sixty thousand dollars a year. You're not getting forty thousand or whatever you walk away with. You're getting your whole sixty-five k because we're not taking your income tax. So you're gonna have a shit ton of money. So here's the thing: if you live a healthy lifestyle, you're eating clean. You're not eating junk food. You're not fucking with the booze or alcohol or nothing like that. You don't have to pay those taxes. So I mentioned no income tax. Just by default, you're getting a tax break just for living healthy. You're getting far more money. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just, just for being healthy. And you're still going to get that 1400 a year, 1450 a year to buy new, new running shoes, pay for your gym membership, things mm -hmm. of that nature. Like, okay. Pretty sweet deal. No income tax. Yeah. And money back. It's just like the only people who really stand to lose something is the people who 
still partying and, and you know living in self-destruction gotcha um yeah man i think i think that covers it all i think you would hit both sides of it um i personally like the idea because we already do it with alcohol we already do it other stuff with taxes that's how we ended prohibition um that's how eventually we're going to end uh marijuana like for drug drug purposes but i think the beauty of it is that everyone gets a piece of it yeah you know everyone gets a piece of that tax like i said it can be used for your health like say you are resorting to private health insurance you know it's like you can use that 1450 to pay for your health bills but if you're as you know as fit as a you know as a racehorse then you know get some use that for your fitness and i think just promoting that fitness that alone is going to lower that cost for uh, for health care in america I know uh, just small sample size. I think the mayor of San Antonio did something like this, roughly, like a program to get fit. And he had great results from what I understand. Um, like all of these Fitbits and, and things of that nature to track the progress, do incentives. I don't know. Like, we got to. Healthcare is a big bill, and it's that's something that could bankrupt the nation. And yeah. I'm ready to. Uh, to live in a bankrupt America, so yeah, yeah, find a better way to do this. But um, all right, on there, we're talking about military readiness. Yeah, we gonna... oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no, I was just reading a headline. What's your thoughts? Um, it's very challenging. I'm gonna read uh, the dismissal of Captain Crozier from the from the uh, USS Theodore, I think that was an aircraft carrier. I believe so, yes. Um, or Roosevelt. Hold on, see. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, yeah. Basically, the news story was he presented the idea, I guess, to his superiors, like, hey, my sailors, you know, our mission is not as important as their health right now. We're basically just out here. Mm-hmm. But this COVID is breaking out. We need to dock and make sure everybody's good. And my understanding, there were uh, 150? How many of them had there? Okay, so Secretary of Defense Mark Esper said Sunday on CNN's State of the Union that there were 155 confirmed cases of COVID-19 among the sailors aboard the aircraft carrier, and that more than half of the ships have been tested. So far, there have been no hospitalizations. But yeah, that's pretty wild. And you gotta think it's like on an aircraft carrier, it's very close quarters. Exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's very tight. My understanding is like, um, so for my, my, my seamen friends, my sailors out there, like um, you share bunks, not like at the same time, but it's like you're, you have, there's bunks, you're allotted eight hours to sleep. You get up, do what you gotta do. And then while you're working or doing whatever, someone else is occupying that bunk. I believe they call it warm bunking. Oh, okay. When you're not there, someone else is sleeping in your bed. I didn't know sleeping that. In my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so much okay. my age out here. But yeah, so it's real close quarters. So 155 uh, sailors, you know, with that, I could see that being a threat. It would be hard to contain, particularly on that, that ship. 
Um, he raised the question, and this is something we've always had a challenge with, especially when you're in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're taught your troops over everything. You eat last, all that good stuff. Lead from the front. Yes, so, indeed. When I read the story in, in totality, I was like, that's just common sense military leadership. Like, the mission is basically, you're just basically a deterrent, a patrol. You're not in a wartime mission. The argument, I guess, from Congress or whatever was like, yo, yeah, we are in a wartime mission. But he looked at it like, not really. And my he troops confirmed. Yeah, he got brolic. I, I like that shit. Personally, that's how leadership should be. And there's a difference between leadership and management. Let's get that clear. Yes, indeed. And I support him. After I read the whole thing, it makes total sense. Um, and I agree. Only, I, I support him as well. And I think only people that haven't served don't really know. And I think, and, and you know, here's the thing. This is pretty ballsy, and maybe I'm only saying it because I serve. But, like, I think that you should have to do some military service to hold the highest military office and government, the commander-in-chief. Like, that should yeah. be a prerequisite, if only four years, you know? Yeah. And so you'll at least get uh, enlisted or uh, as or commissioned. So you at least will get just some perspective on how the military works and, you know, um, perhaps have a bit more reverence for, for your troops. But I don't know, man. Like, I think seeing that, and I'm like, hold on, you got guys on aircraft carriers with 155 guys on aircraft carriers with COVID 19. That's pretty bad. I could see how that could get bad. But when you consider we have nuclear subs, their mission yeah. is critical. They are mission critical. So it's like, um, I guess, unless you have any further remarks on, on, on the captain. I know Trump was not very pleased with the, the way he handled it. I, I believe he sent an email to like 20 of his superiors and a lot of people were linked on it. I, it almost seemed like he was disappointed that they didn't keep it on the low and that they escalated it. And I believe, quote unquote, Trump said the way he handled it was terrible. But I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, he raised the flag. You know, you, you it's, um, it's you got to consider your troops, although the commanders don't. Did, what was the priority? It was it's mission, mm-hmm. it's mission, and then troops, and then something else. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I, uh, contrary to popular beliefs, that the troops are not the priority. But I can see how, uh, you know, as a human being, you manage leading other human beings that, that you that you feel that way. And it's, it's a tough call, but I support the captain. But again, we have to question our military's readiness in time of COVID and so do you think we are um well I'm gonna read this quick passage Um, 1918 with that flu that pandemic um during World War One influenza and pneumonia sickened 20 to 40 percent of the U.S. Army and Navy service members in a matter of months wow so to put it in perspective um and that's in 1918 where our health technology wasn't in advance, all that good stuff. So military readiness, yeah. And especially how COVID works is you can be asymptomatic and then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, 
they have that long, um, how do you say, incubation period, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, like we discussed, like uh, highly skilled, we're in close, tight workspaces, um, social distances. I mean, SF, we did have some social distances <laughs> built into our profession. Um, me too. Let's see, large scale exercises. So training, you know, training, training, training. You uh, train how you fight. Yes, you so do. that's reduced. Um, mm, yeah, I guess you're right. Basic training. Um, so those new troops that need to be getting to their duty station. So let me uh, let me ask you this: um, two person concept, PRP, personal reliability program, mm-hmm. and in relation to nuclear weapons. So two person concept. Do you think that's working? In the missile fields and uh, yeah and where other nuclear munitions are i'm sure they were already on this thing months ago i am very sure i'm not i can't confirm it but they had to be on it already so i'm pretty sure it's like this they're most likely putting the alphas in different vehicles but then changeover would be it like they're like okay now spray this thing down you got a witness spraying it down with a Lysol. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. But I think we are potentially vulnerable as a military force. Um, one with the distractions. Two, you have lack of morale. People can't PCS. And shout out to everybody who's still serving, whether cool. you're in combat zone or, or not, you know, and, and you're stuck, you can't PCS. Trust me, sincerely, my, my heart goes, goes out to you. And yeah. that affects morale and that affects ultimately you know morale um, it affects our, our 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 readiness and right now i think we are vulnerable something we need to take into consideration i know we have endless uh training scenarios on how to fight um you know how to fight the enemy during uh was it biological chemical and uh, nuclear nuclear biological yeah chemical yeah and see yeah but it's like it's it's tough man yeah uh shout out to y'all just keep your morale up um leaders definitely you gotta keep your troops morale up that's key uh be transparent as possible we know you got orders some need to know information try to be as real and direct as possible um yeah, I think I think if anybody can handle this is the U.S. military. I have supreme confidence that they're gonna have this knocked out. As, as do I. But um, it would I would hate to um, for you know some sort of sneak attack, some sort of Pearl Harbor, some sort of 9/11 to uh, right now to, to catch us when our guard is down. And mm-hmm. that's like, no, as defenders, we're always vigilant, but we need to be extra vigilant. And in these times. Um, I sent you an article uh, as a Republican congressman, I believe, who's saying that we should not out, uh, we shouldn't rule out the possibility of this being a biological. That's right. You did. um, Seeing that, I was like, hmm, that's further supporting my theory. And I suppose it's just like I'm analyzing like which country is not affected the worst right now. Because right now America's leading the charge. And, and there's outbreaks, and as, as we were suggesting that we are, ex- we may be experiencing some vulnerability and mm-hmm. military readiness. 
and yo to uh, my my com- my friends and, and, and the agency and the intelligence and, and all that do uh look look into that well i gotta tell you you guys are already on it <laughs> but um I, I'm, I'm just sharing publicly sharing my concern but i know uh you know the commanders and the troops they got it our sf brethren we, we got this yeah um shout out to all the branches um yeah but that is we did i think i forgot what episode we did bring that up bioterrorism yeah. um so we, you know, upgrade America. We usually ahead of the curve. So. <laughs> yeah, we really are, man. Like yeah. we brought up, how are we going to vote in twenty twenty? Like four episodes ago, and now everyone's like, oh my god, oh my god, how are we going to vote in November? <laughs> yeah, we're ahead of you on that. But I mean, we're ahead on you when we propose the online voting system and yeah. online campaigning. Yes, uh, indeed. Town halls, all that. charge on that. So I suppose to some extent this is like our first because uh, we're live, you know. But maybe um, moving forward we, we could um, advertise like, hey, we're gonna be live at this time. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Um, you ready to get into the next topic? Yeah. What we got left on that? Uh, we we are, we winding down. Uh, let's see. Domestic we're talking about Yeah, domestic manufacturing after Rona. How how is this gonna play out? Oh man, so I mean, I, I you hear the rumors about like China may never recover after this, and now they're like the economic impacts are so bad that I dare say that they're fudging their numbers on the outbreak and they're, they're sending people back to work. But as far as um, they say domestic manufacturing, me personally, I. I I think it's it's only going to enable and encourage corporations to uh, pursue the 3D printer route in the robotics automation because one social distancing, two yeah. you're in a, in a how do you say it? you're in an economic crisis and you don't have to pay robots overtime or vacation days. So it's, it's only going to further, in my cynical uh, perspective, it's only going to further encourage that initiative. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you for once, because uh, you know about man versus machines. Oh, this in the history books. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, I will add more to that. I think we have to, and I had the ratio. I think we I, probably season one. The ratio of domestic manufacturing should be like eighty twenty. Um, me personally, I am aware that we still. Go ahead. 80% of it produced in America and 20% abroad. 80-20 okay, now what? How do you think that would work? I don't know. I don't know the economic. I just, in my head, I feel like 80% of, like, I think Germany does that. I think they export. How much do they export? Ah, I can't remember exactly. Let me see. Hold on. Okay. So that's, a, that's an interesting concept. But again, um, now, even if it's produce domestically with machines mm-hmm. how is how do you consider that would you put a stipulation on how many automated manufacturing plants you could have versus people power i guess um yeah i want to i want it blended you know i want americans to have jobs again Uh, I I do require, I know it requires some technical training, but I feel like with on the job training, 
is I feel like the best way to learn anyway, on top of classroom training theory. Um, but all these small towns, medium-sized cities, this is perfect opportunity to rebirth Main Street America and like give Americans what they need, jobs, lifestyle, security. We need that back. This is a unique opportunity to bring that back. And I want to say this to all our global viewers and listeners. We're not dismissing globalization. We're just focusing back on domestically where we should be which I can say that was probably one of the best things about America back in the day. Shout out to the MAGA crowd. I know y'all enjoy this. When we did manufacture a lot of goods in America, we were a better country in that regard. Um, socially and all that, we can dispute that, obviously. We're still going through that. But I think, yeah, a mixture of technology with humans, um, perfect opportunity and then but you would so you would regulate it I, I really want to say there's going to come a point where you're going to reach that, that that tipping point where you're not going to need humans for manufacturing i mean as much as you can keep humans employed with technology mm -hmm. just it's it's a gradual thing you know like and that's where our theory of what is it, universal basic assets come into play. Skyward comes into play. Uh, all your plans for the Rod administration, all that goes in line. When you take care of the major things, the foundational things, everything else becomes simple. And I got to give credit to Andrew Yang because he's the only one that brought up the technological perspective of America and where we need to look. Um, and we also brought up, what is it, the technological uh bill of rights yes something we also brought up that we need to expand upon actually we and, need uh, to come so up like the techie, like. yeah, uh, techie guests on board to, uh, to further discuss that uh, okay some things that, that you and i may miss but i'm just being um i again i, I just seen an article the UK mentioned that they're extending their isolation for 18 months. Uh-huh. Actually gave a number, like an initial deadline. It's most likely going to get pushed back, but they're like, yeah, realistically, it's going to be like this for 18 months. So when you take that into consideration, like, um, things evolve overnight. You see how, how fast we adapted to, mm -hmm. to social isolation, wearing masks, things of that nature. Like, businesses are going to adapt as well and when i'm very confident they're going to work around the clock to to compensate for the, the millions if not billions they lost you know during this crisis and, and, and make robots and, and other means replace that it's, it's like so again that whole life force thing mm -hmm. absorb a lot of people into that like i said we need armies of, of nurses and, and doctors and if we can roll that out, that's, yes, automation can get into med care later, but I think there's still a degree of, of humans that we, we can train, we can train them to do other things. Because if you look at the military, they take you mm -hmm. from the street, from, from your civilian life, and then they, they put you down a path. And I think we can do that for, for many Americans. So I, I'll bring up this article. Sorry to interrupt, sir. Um, 
Senator Tom Cotton, I think that's the same guy that brought up the conspiracy theory of psychoterrorism. <laughs> He's the one that mentioned, and this is interesting fact, this is from the right, you know, we're independent over here, so. Uh, let's see, he said, basically, coronavirus pandemic underscores the importance of securing America's medical supply chain and ramping up production of life-saving medicines to end the long-time reliance on the Chinese government. <laughs> I like that. And so this goes with PPE. This goes with a lot of things we rely on China for manufacturing purposes. And that's why I bring up the 80-20 rule. But I'm going to bring up some quick facts okay. from 2015 on manufacturing and national economies. So you have South Korea's leading the charge, actually, with shout out to uh, Ajima. <laughs> I just see. Come <laughs> uh, uh, So they lead with 29%. China's 27%. Germany is 23%. Indonesia's 22%. Our percentage is 12% in manufacturing. And then it's Canada, France, Brazil, Russia, United Kingdom, and 10 or 11 percent. Okay. And Japan and Mexico are at 19 percent. I feel like because our country is so massive, we mm -hmm. can pull off the 80 percent because our country is so massive. All those other countries. Jump from, from what was it? Go ahead. 19 percent for the U.S. No, 12. Well, yeah, you want to jump from 12 to 80? I'm ambitious. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's most likely to get those numbers going using a shit ton of machines. Yeah. Uh, well, that would revitalize the steel industry and aluminum industry um, or recyclables like Skyward. And I guess that's the main thing I want to do. Like 3D printers, they pretty much use plastic to make things. Yeah. So we can grab all the recycled plastic and then, you know, just melt it down. We can start manufacturing practically everything from houses to, to full houses. And, and, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we're aware that it is going to shift how com how companies, industries do business with doing that. Like, but we got to do it for sustainability reasons. And that's what I believe in. Like you preach mutualism and capitalism married with socialism along with, well, forms of socialism. You know how people get all uptight when you mention that. Um, in <laughs> essence, taking care of citizens. Like, and that's how I look at socialism in my personal opinion, is you're taking care of your citizens of your country. It's like a, it's a duty to do that in my opinion. I'm not I saying you can't it, pursue wealth. It is, but it's like, it almost seems like it's, well, I suppose all government systems seem inherently flawed, but um, <sighs> I hate <laughs> mutualism because I'm in the process of becoming a billionaire myself, mm. and I really hate to be like, yeah, now we gotta take all your wealth to pay for everyone else, because it's like that whole possibility of becoming a millionaire, becoming a billionaire, becoming wealthy. It's uh, that's an, an aspiration for many in itself, and it mm -hmm. leads to a lot of ingenuity, inventions, creative creations, and, and stuff. And to take that away, 
I really would say you may see a lot of stagnation and a lot of lack of innovation because it's just like just just getting the bare minimum just to give everyone what they need. Like there'd no be no more Ferraris, no more Lamborghinis, no mm-hmm. more because everyone's everyone gets a Punto, or everyone gets a Volkswagen Bug or something like that. You know? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I think we could do better. I think this raises something that you and I have discussed. Like, America needs to repair itself. We need to upgrade America. Like, that's what we're all about. So, um, shout out to that. I think you, that's pretty much, I think we covered what domestic manufacturing, life after Rona. I thought, I really thought there was an article that you sent me about mm-hmm. like all these three printers and stuff being used. In yeah, place. yeah. You covered it basically. Like, what you were saying. Yeah. Is this what was in the article? Well, like I said, it's um, you're yeah, you're, you're there's already evidence of that occurring. So um, the last and I hate to end all cynical stuff, but the last. Well, we're not. It's positive stories after that. So okay. yeah, go That's ahead. Cool. So then, I suppose we're gonna uh, tackle the freedom of speech and the revoke, revoke the censorship. So, okay. uh, you know, it takes one to know one, but like. When I think about an evil genius or a tyrant or something like that, I'm thinking like, hmm, if the people wanted to protest social injustice right now, they couldn't. You can't protest because of social distancing. And I, historically, that has been one of the key uh, tools for democracy to, uh, you know, to protest social injustices. Right now, you can't do that. Black Lives Matter, all these other groups, like, I don't want to say you're powerless, but um, a, the people have lost uh, a, a, a a part of their voice. And then there's, there's going to be one wise-ass anonymous, well, you can just go to social media. Not quite. Because we, Twitter has already demonstrated that they will ban you, block you, take your stuff down, or even put, it, put you in an algorithm to where you can't be seen. Facebook will put you in Facebook jail. Well, Twitter puts you in jail too, and Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah, all these platforms. Mm-hmm. YouTube, they, they can take your your content down. But all I'm saying is, with absence of the the ability to protest, these social media uh, platforms are are uh, these are our voice. This is and the, we do not have the full liberty of the First Amendment on these platforms. So um, for me, I just think that's a, it's just a little bit terrifying that we are in a position where one, as I mentioned, it's, it's we've already been infringed on our uh, freedom of religion, First Amendment, right? But now the freedom to peacefully assemble and protest, it's all out the window for the sake of uh, national health and safety. What do you think? My concern, the angle I was looking at this from was journalists. Mm-hmm. being threatened and detained in countries on multiple continents to restrict coronavirus coverage. That like China, for one, I heard they're trying to purge all the, uh, the foreign journalists so they can purge their numbers. So. Yeah, and so that was my biggest concern is because, like, we've spoken about on this on, was it season one or season two? Season two, maybe. I meant season one. Maybe, yeah, I was going to say maybe two. Um, we talked about how journalism is very vital to the freedom of yeah. our country, especially, but I would say globally, 
as much as you can in your countries because we know each country is different. We talked about this last episode. Okay. Um, the fact that they're not allowing journalists to do their job, which I understand the health issue, but we still need those facts. We still need those stories to know what's going on. And then on top of that, what I've been seeing on social media is doctors and politicians calling bullshit on these reports of Corona and citizens yeah, calling bullshit on it. And now that you're censoring us digitally- fudging the numbers too. Yeah, like, so what do you trust now? Cause you gotta remember, we got what? Seven media networks, that's it. Conglomerates that we have to choose from basically to get our news. And now that all our diversions are gone, sports, concerts, all that stuff is gone. All we have is them talking fear. about- 24, seven fear. Yeah. But again, it's like right now, I seen that clip I told you about that. I sent it to you where the lady got arrested on, you know, just for riding her bike and her neighbors are snitching on, on, on each other. And we're not facing like social, like real big social injustices, but if something were to occur out of it, and it most likely will, as it did in India and other nations, Philippines are shooting people. But like, um, if such an incident were to occur, the people have very limited means to, to, to protest the government or any entity that's oppressing them. And that's my concern. Um, at the same time, I suppose the solution, we, we are too heavily dependent upon, you know, social media. And like I said, they, they, they break bread with uh, the government. I heard Zuck had, uh, he went to dinner with Trump. And <laughs> I'm sure they, they had a lovely conversation. But you know, there's uh, some things discussed behind closed doors that will never surface. Of course. Where I'm going with this is perhaps we need an underground network. Like something that they cannot control and puts content out there. So it's like, uh, maybe that's something I should uh, reach out to the people who are getting their stuff put down and be like, listen, you can all make one website, you know, where um, we control it. And yeah. they can't take this stuff down. So, my open source? Things. I mean, I'm not techie, but. Um, Open source or not, like with the blockchain, all that stuff. I understand open source is just like it's code that you can share. Like for like, if you want to make a game, let's say I made a game, but I made it open source. You could take my game and then you could tweak it a little bit and make your own. So I wouldn't quite say open source. I'm saying uh, an underground. Like you have your deep web, I suppose. You have your traditional websites that you can reach on a search engine. And then you have websites that you have to like type in, I believe, like an IP address to get to it, and it can't be found from a search engine. It's not gotcha. necessarily illegal. It's just not on the main internet. Gotcha. And, and perhaps that's something. Eventually, if it becomes a totalitarian state, and they deem our uh, our broadcast to be disruptive and uh, you know, <laughs> unaligned with the new world order. Then, you know, we may have to take it underground and it's better to do that preemptively and look at some options because I'm, it just seems that we're trending that way. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm taking this uh, too much out of context, but like this is the first Easter like in ever that people were in church and that is a real big, and, and by law, they're forbidding people to go to church. And, and that's one of the, founding concept of this nation is freedom of religion 
But the Corona, but the fuck the Corona. Like our rights are being infringed. And um, you need to be aware of that and, and find a way that people can voice up, speak their opinions, and that we can communicate. You know, in the unlikely event we get uh, we get censored. Um, the concern, you brought up one concern that I was noticing too is this is a unique opportunity to for uh, government or law enforcement to target certain areas of our population, Black Americans, illegal immigrants, like these people in these the homeless, even probably. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's something that does, I'm, I'm pretty calm, but that bothers me knowing that they already kind of have license to already infringe upon your rights now due to this current environment we're in right now. Yeah. They talk about, they want to go into people's homes to make sure they don't have gatherings, forcefully go into people's homes to make sure they don't have gatherings of more than 10 people. Like, okay, I see you, 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 you're punching the first amendment in the ball. Dare fuck with that second, and they're trying to as, even as we speak. Like, shout out to all my folks in PA, and motherfuck that bill that they're trying to pass to get you a uh, that you have to get a license, an annual license to buy ammunition, buy ammo. Like that's a big constraint. As soon as you start putting uh, you start putting hurdles between citizens and their safety, like. That's a big red flag. And this is happening all the while the coronavirus is getting the attention. So no, that's not cool. Um, but as far as violating on the Fourth Amendment, right? Like, um, that's scary. When you're talking about uh, people coming, men with guns coming into other people's homes, that's a big red flag. And people always say it can never be like Nazi Germany. It can never be like Nazi Germany. FYI, Nazi Germany had curfew. They imposed it upon the France when they occupied, uh, when they, they occupied, when Hitler took over France. So it was like, it, it starts like this. But just be aware, be vigilant, and um, we're going to find a way to keep this coming to you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what positive stories do you have? I got two on my end. Go ahead, man. I'm rambled on uh, long enough. You got to lead off. Uh, let's see here. One good positive story is, let's see here, I don't want to butcher, the Himalayan mountaintops are visible for the first time in 30 years as air pollution continues to plummet in India. Shout out to India. Um, I thought that was pretty cool and it looks beautiful. Like, uh, just looking. That's where Mount Everest is. No, it's not. It's in like Nepal. Yeah, something like that. Excuse our geography. We're rusty on that one. I haven't been there, but I know it's like, um, I do believe Mount Everest is in the Himalayas. Is it part of the Himalayas? I don't know. Hold on. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, I know nothing wrong. I suppose okay. if I don't know, I can say my positive story. Um, I have to go to, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Between the international border between Nepal and China. Okay. So you're right. Yeah. Shout out to you, hiker. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get there. <laughs> they bring you along for a trip, man. But uh, I yeah. got to chill with my mom. You know, I got to went to PA. She uh-huh. was dealing with some medical issues, so it was like, 
Google, I know Google spying and recording my whereabouts. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about that. It's just for a medical, for medical purposes, you know. So like, I, I had to bust that move. But uh, I know you asked me this offline, and it's like, dude, they're monitoring everything. Like, if you're on the roads, they watch you. Like, they no longer, at least in uh, leaving Jersey, mm-hmm. there's no more like get a ticket. On the, on the highway, it's just they shut them all down. It's all an easy pass. So you gotta fly, you gotta go through the little gate, and then they send you. If you don't have an easy pass, they send you the ticket in the mail. But um, at the same time, best believe they're you're taking all them uh, all them photos. Why is this guy going here? Who's he with? Yada yada. But you know, forget all that. Like I got to chill with my mom, take her yeah, around, yeah. you know, bust some moves. For her, I try to break down, uh, you know, what's going on in the world. She didn't really get it, but you know, ignorance is bliss. So you know, I'm, I'm glad she, she's she's blissful in, in her ignorance of the the Rona. Yeah. So you know, that was that was my private, my, my positive story. Enjoy. My question is, uh, what does your mom suffer from? You don't mind putting that out there? I don't think she's dealing with uh, you know, a little dementia. Something. Okay. You know, but um, at the same time, um, I'm doing an assessment and I, as far as, uh, you know, trying to help her out as much as I can and debating if uh, if I would stay there full time, you know, to assist her. Because right now it's like working remote, so it's like I could, I could pretty much work anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm debating that, weighing out that option, but um, going to PA was great, it's just different sense of scenery, fresh outdoors, it's, um, I don't know, it, it was, it was a good film, very pleasant time, but okay. how was your, was your, um, positive, additional positive story? So, you know, last week, they've been doing this, uh, quarantine DJ battles, producer battles on IG Live, and it was set up by famous producers, uh, Timberland and Swiss Beats. I think he said T-Pain or something, so... Yeah, it was T-Pain and Lil John. Well, they both played unreleased music. Mm. Um, during, like, after the actual battle, they played unreleased music. And one of the songs that they played, they actually released it for, like, everybody to consume it. Uh, Lil John. It's Lil John, Ludacris, and Usher. Okay. And so I was really excited to hear it because I'm like, oh, shit, like, they did it after the battle. Like, they actually did put it out. So I think they put it out Friday, if I remember correctly. So I've been listening to that on repeat here and there. And that's pretty cool that so much content and, and music is emerging from um, this coronavirus. Now, for nothing, you got nothing but time. When I get my studio phone set up, I think I'm going to start recording some tracks here, too, because I can't get in studio anywhere else. But this is the time to create. And yeah, I gotta get on that writing. I've been slacking. But... Oh, man. Yeah, I'm getting ready to send you a draft of. Um, I'm starting my sci fi novel. I started my sci fi novel. Yeah. It'd be very, very intriguing to be pushing that, marketing that on the Upgrade America podcast shortly. I, um, what was I gonna say real quick? They had RZA last night and DJ Premier. Okay. I'm not doing Airbeats. So they were doing their top songs or whatever. Excuse me, I caught some of it, but then I got distracted by something else. So, um, yeah, man, it's just been fun. I think Babyface and Teddy Riley are supposed to do a matchup. Legendary producers, 
um, in R&B and like New Jack Swing for Teddy Riley and Babyface been around since like the 80s, early 80s, I think. Yeah, he's a legend, but he also has uh, that Rona too. He's He contracted that. So that, yeah, he announced that yesterday, but he said he's still going to participate in the IG battle. Um, so we're going to see how that goes. But he just turned 50 as well, I think. I think he turned 50 or something like that. No, I've seen several celebrities saying that they had the Rona. Have any of them died in hospital? Well, I know Scarface, rap legend, is mm -hmm. like trending that way. Hopefully he doesn't, but he caught Rona, but he had other ailments on top of that anyway. Mm -hmm. I think from what I understand, it said something about kidney failure almost. So last I remember. So, hopes and prayers for him. No doubt. I, I think there's been, but I don't think I've heard anybody famous dying from it yet. No, I've Yeah, I suppose it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I suppose, um, yeah, keep drinking that water, um, hydrating, and, you know, uh, that flushes out viruses, but it, it contributes to your overall health. Um, yeah. Overall, life is good, man. Don't let all this stuff that's getting you down. And if it is, turn your phone off for a day. You know, turn 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 the TV off for a day because it's it's twenty four seven fear mongering. Or if you're gonna watch anything, now I'd say watch our show, but you know we can we, we can get doom and gloom time to time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. use caution. If you gotta detox, just detox from all of this, you know, and. Um, just raise those vibrations but again uh, you know thanks for, for watching the show if you, you got any value out of it you learned anything new if you if you liked my corny jokes uh, you know please give us a like share subscribe yeah uh, you know because it, re it really helps the channel you know when, when, you, when you give us a like subscribing all that it helps the youtube algorithm and we keep we can keep this going but you got any closing remarks to you I had fun on doing live. Uh, I like doing, you know, that hour. I think that's cool to do. Give y'all a like sneak peek of what it looks like. Shout out to everybody who watched it. Um, Indeed, shout out Facebook. Thanks for watching. Yeah, I'm still rolling, man. Facebook is okay. strong, so that's cool. I got, I got to figure out Twitter. Um, how theirs works. I'll do that. Next. That I think maybe we should um, do an IG so we can share the screen. That way we both can be on it. Mm. Oh, I got what you're saying. Um, we can share sound and um, how you say that's something we could experiment with too. Yeah, we'll try them on. So we got it's episodes on. It's something new. You know, yeah. Another element, but uh, <sighs> Easter Sunday, man. Yeah. Um, they're talking about closing the parks and everything, but I may run around the block, do a couple laps around the block and see what's see what's what. But I gotta get out and get get that blood pumping. Get yeah, that. I'm gonna take a walk or something. Yeah. Alright, for everybody else, once again, thanks for for hanging out with us. We look forward to seeing you on the the next episode of Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth. Catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Boom.